And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so I hope we're doing a little better on Facebook Live. I'm understanding we're getting some buzz on the line. I'm sorry about that. I've changed out a few things here. I'm not sure that'll help, but we're doing our best. Okay, so welcome back. First of all, I want to thank again Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He just has been a a very strong uh, public servant and very clear in speaking of conservative ideas. Great friend of the show, but not many times. Um, so appreciate him and glad he could join us. So the top of the second hour, I just call it the cruise through the news. It's a very short segment. And so I want to hit a couple things that um, I hope you all, if you're in, this one thing is just for Texas. Just this one thing for Texas, which is at SMU, which is here in Dallas, uh, there are two great events coming up. Dennis Prager, who is a fabulous Salem host, is going to be speaking at SMU on March 8th at 7 p.m. in the Hughes Trigg Theater, which is on campus, on the SMU campus, 7 p.m., March 8th. And if you want to go, you should um, email YAF, which stands for Young America's Foundation, yaf.smu at gmail.com. I don't think it doesn't cost anything. I don't even think you have to have a ticket, but they'd appreciate if you try to get one. Then the young Republicans at SMU are hosting Stephen Crowder, louder with Crowder, um, at SMU, and that is Thursday, March twenty second at seven p.m. in the McFarland Auditorium. And that's another one where they don't you don't have to have a ticket, but if you did, that'd be nice, and they like to know you were coming. And I urge you in this one just to go to the the Facebook page for the YRs at SMU. Anyway, two great things come up. Okay, my cruise to the news stories um, is. Uh, one I wanted to share kind of relates to what I was talking to in the first hour about how troublesome it is that the um, left is trying so hard. They, you know, it's interesting actually. Some of these leftists who've been pushing this, you know, we're just going to bulldoze through. We're going to force our views. We're going to make it culturally unacceptable not to agree with us. They also recognize that in the last eight years, or since the time that President Obama was first elected, the most far left president ever in American history, that. You know, we had there has been across the country an increase in the number of Republicans in state sitting in the state house, the state senate, in the governor's seats, in Congress and the Senate. The American public voting wise is rejecting the left wing agenda. Clearly, without any question, this is how, you know, President Obama just showed America how rotten left-wing ideas are, how bad socialism is. And so America voted for freedom, and they continue to, and we're still a center-right country. But the left realizes they cannot win their way with votes. They can't sell their policy to the American people. So they push them through this, not just the courts. We've talked about the courts many times, ignoring the Constitution and just implementing the left-wing agenda. But this is a cultural, uh, you know, a monolithic push by the American left and all sorts of different organizations to shut down opposition. One great example, at University of Miami, uh, which is uh, has a law school, University of Miami Law School had the Federalist Society there, decide, and that's a, it's a 
federalist societies, adults can belong to it too, adult lawyers, I mean, and so they, they discuss serious issues. It's a really uh, a noble and very um, important institution. So the Federalist Society at University of Miami Law School proposed to bring Charles Murray as part of their d- debate on free speech. Charles Murray, same guy who got, you know, attacked by left-wing um, opposition at, I think it was at Middlebury, but at University of Miami, the school's answer was, the law school's answer was, well, because of anticipated opposition and protests over Charles Murray, the Federalist Society had to come up with $8,000 to pay for security to keep the left-wingers from disrupting and destroying this event. Just just think about that for a second. Instead of, instead of the university saying to the students who may be protesters, you know, if you're going to cause... Uh, trouble and you're going to require us to have to hire extra security you have to pay no and the the uh, federalist society members the law students wrote a letter a really eloquent letter to the that was from the president and vice president of the federalist society to the dean of miami law school pointing out pointing out that last this this past year Left-wingers at that school, University of Miami Law School, invited the co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement, a a woman named Alicia Garza, at the time that was backed by all sorts of professors and uh, organizations on campus, the Office of the Provost, Division of Student Affairs, Student Life, Multicultural. So a clearly left-wing figure can come to campus, and the student organization sponsoring it was not charged anything for extra security. So these kids, these people and the law students are saying to the school, well, you know, they didn't have to pay for extra security because, you know, and so why should we? But, you know, the real point is it's just a profoundly and clear good example of what I'm talking about in terms of the crushing of culture of liberty, the crushing of Western civilization and free speech. The University of Miami's answer to a Black Lives Matter speaker was, oh, sure, come on campus. Never worried about security because conservatives don't act up. Conservatives don't cause trouble. Conservatives don't make protests. They don't spend school money. They don't do that. But the school fully aware that if a conservative comes to speak, they're going to have to have to deal with antagonism, antagonism, opposition, you know, upset from the left wing faction of their student body. And their answer is to force the conservatives to have to pay for the left wing. So that is not resolved yet. The dean, as far as I know, hasn't answered this letter. Hope he says, forget about it. Uh, never mind. You don't have to pay. OK, coming back after the break, changing subjects entirely. We're going to talk about Russian President Putin's recent speech regarding military weapons he's developed. Come right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, 
Go to firstliberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. So glad you've tuned in. We have another guest joining us this hour. And um, he's joining us by phone. And I think he's in the Washington area. But I'm going to tell you a bit about him before I say hello. Uh, His name is Boris Zilberman. And he is with an organization called Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, or FDD. And when I substitute hosted on uh, Mark Davis's show a couple weeks ago, I had another gentleman uh, that was arranged to be an interview in that show. I think his name was uh, Clifford May, and he was really good. And I love learning about new think tanks, new sources of just real expertise. So Boris is uh, was born in uh, 
in Moscow, is fluent in Russian, uh, but he's, he has a master's in global security studies from Johns Hopkins and a BA in political science and Russian from the University of Alabama. But in addition to that, he's worked for many years in a variety of organizations focusing on uh, Russia and uh, analyzing their behavior and how America responds to them. He's a prolific writer. So I believe we have him online. Hi, Boris. Hi, good evening. Thanks for having me on. So glad you could be here. Well, I, the reason I want to talk to you about uh, talk with you tonight is that there was a, a speech this past Thursday um, by President Putin in Russia. It was I think it was called a State of the Nation speech, um, but it's it coming up in anticipation of his of the presidential elections in about three weeks. And in this speech, uh, President Putin said essentially that Russia has this massive new. It was unclear if it was developed or developing, but new nuclear weapon capability, and he was. it seemed like he was laying out essentially that the kind of weapons they've developed will not be able to be shot down by the kind of uh, defense systems we currently have in America. It seemed like a very threatening speech. So I guess I'll start with that. Did you think his, his speech sounded threatening and, and, and particularly threatening to America? Well, it was certainly threatening if we should take him seriously. Uh, like you said, there are kind of two weapons he announced. Uh, one was a supersonic cruise missile, uh, which carries a nuclear warhead. Another one was an underwater drone, which can also be armed uh, with a nuclear weapon. So things we should be taking seriously, but these are also things that people should keep in mind. The United States has known uh, that Russia was developing, and uh, last month rolled out a nuclear posture review uh, by the Pentagon, uh, that kind of addressed Russia's aggression. Uh, when Putin gave this speech, the Pentagon came out and said, this is not a surprise to us. We know they're doing this. This is why we're actually investing more money in modernizing our own nuclear weapons um, to, to kind of keep, keep, keep parity alive. Um, but I think what this revives is, again, the, the old um, kind of doctrine of mutually assured destruction is very much alive, uh, and whether or not... Um, their nuclear weapons can get past our missile defense systems or not. Uh, the important thing to kind of remember is, is both sides lose in, in that sort of exchange. And I think what you need to keep in kind of the context of Putin's very certainly aggressive speech uh, was that exactly like you said. He's got an election coming up, uh, and Putin doesn't have a lot of positive cards to play, right? They've got, they really produce two things, and that's weapons and oil and gas. Uh, and so there's nothing really, if you're giving a State of the Union type of address in Russia, you don't have anything good to write home about. You're not going to talk about the economy. That's in the tank. <laughs> uh, you're not doing well. Sanctions are biting. Uh, you just had maybe up to 200 merc Russian mercenaries killed in Syria by the United States. Uh, so there's not a lot of good news to say. So what do you do? You kind of give this over-the-top aggressive speech. So, you know, I, I'm glad to hear that context for it. He did try to make clear uh, in the speech several times that among the reasons or among the attributes of these weapons they have developed or are developing is that they would not be capable of um, America's traditional defense systems or missile defense systems would be thwarted by uh, – would not be able to intercept these, uh, these these incoming attacks. So it's clearly a you know a message to us that, that don't think you can stop us, but – do you do you have any idea? Is it accurate that we uh, that we have to step up our missile defense system in response to this? Well, I, I think certainly we do need to step.
step up our missile defense system. The Trump administration has been putting more money into our missile defense system and just modernizing our own uh, nuclear weapons uh, as they have and delivery systems as they have not been updated in decades. Uh, so I think those are two important things. But it's still unclear how far along they one of these missiles, uh, this cruise missile they did test about a year ago. Uh, we've known about it for you know for at least that long. Um, from at least the open source, uh, but I think what the sh- you know the the speech was interesting in how they showed these weapons were very kind of almost cartoonish. They had these old type of video game graphics showing these weapons, um, not you know n- no actual uh, video of of them being tested. Um, so I think they're still a ways away. Again, does it mean we shouldn't be taking it seriously? We we should be, and I think the uh, the Pentagon certainly is because they are uh, Russia still our nearest competitor when it comes to uh, strategic weapons, nuclear weapons, things of that nature. Well, you know, you say take it seriously. That was the other line of question I wanted to ask you about. Was you know if this is as if they are either have developed this or are very very close to developing this. Is the reaction by the U.S. of simply upping our ante and our available weapons and our missile defense, is that enough? Or is this something worthy of some kind of diplomatic confrontation or sanctions? Or is it that kind of thing where we need to be more aggressive than just – I mean, it is very aggressive just to build up our own our missile, our own resources in response. But should we be doing something more? Certainly. We're still – we're negotiating a new – kind of a new proliferation round with the START Treaty, uh, the next iteration of that. Yeah. And holding Russia, you know, the last the last uh, proliferation treaty we had, the Russians, they, they have uh, uh, cheated or kind of went around some of the the agreements, so the Russians don't always hold up their end of the bargain on quite a lot of a lot of these deals. Uh, so that, that's why it's necessary for us to upgrade and modernize our own system to keep that parity. And we've been in this situation with the Russians when they were the Soviet Union and where, where we had these uh, build-ups and confrontations, um, and really the build-up that Ronald Reagan led in the in, in the 80s that really honestly helped uh, put the Soviet Union uh, in a big financial hole uh, that contributed to their downfall. Um, so I think what you see is this kind of a little a little bit back to the future with, with the Russians and talking about nuclear weapons and talking about deterrent and kind of the stuff that you used to hear during the Cold War. Um, and it is a throwback to that. Certainly, I think Putin has his own, again, domestic agenda for why he's ginning that up. Uh, he does not have a lot of cards to play as far as uh, strength, uh, and that's an area where they are still strong and still have a certain amount of parity uh, with the United States. So, and you mentioned, or I mentioned, I guess, the elections in Russia, I think it's March 18th or 15th or something. Um, So does he have, I mean, I really don't follow the internal politics of Russia sufficiently, but does he have a serious opponent or is this kind of a, a, almost a, just a, I mean, just a rubber stamp kind of election? Uh, It's it's more of a selection than an election. (laughs) There there, there are a few government approved candidates, uh, nobody serious, anybody serious has been, um, basically rejected from being official candidates. Uh, Alexei Navalny is probably the biggest uh, opposition leader, and he's been uh, unallowed to run, and has been some of his, most of his supporters, uh, his top campaign folks, uh, have been put in jail. Uh, he's so, <laughs> I'll teach so, him. So, so anybody that acts actual is actually a threat. If you want to know how somebody's a, if they're a legitimate candidate or not in Russia right these days, uh, are they allowed to run? 
if they're allowed to run, they probably are not a threat to Putin. Uh, the people that are not allowed to run are the folks that he's uh, afraid of. Do you have any sense within Russia, is Putin actually uh, revered or is he just feared? Or I mean, how do, Within the common people, what, what's his status? Do you know? So it's it's interesting. I mean, they, they have polls. They're not particularly reliable. Um, they're, they're kind of you know they're 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 not as uh, bad as maybe the North Korean polls where it's ninety nine point nine percent. But he gets approval in the in, regularly in the eighties. Um, so he's I, I think you have to look at by um, you know there's this is going to be actually the first election uh, where uh, a number of the folks voting the. 18-year-olds. So, so Putin's been in power since 2000. So you have a new generation of young adults now that have only known Putin as their leader. Uh, and I think you have most of the disaffected among, among the young, um, the kind of more mid, you know, kind of economically elite, but not oligarchs, folks that are doing well, but uh, on, are on the younger side, where I think he has a lot of support is uh, older folks, people that still pine kind of for the strength of the Soviet Union and, and kind of the, the, the glory he's been able to project um, to folks kind of resurgent of Russia. Uh, at least in the 2000s, it was certainly an economic boon for the Russians. Uh, that's been a downturn, especially since 2014 and, and U.S. sanctions uh, and the kind of oil bust um, on prices. But uh, it would say, you know, kind of the, the older generations are – very much supportive, uh, but the younger generation, again, this, this new wave of folks uh, that have only known him as a leader um, certainly are, are if, you, if you look at kind of the protests out there, it's really actually the younger generations that are taking over. Boris Silverman of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. That was very enlightening. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, we're going to zip off to a break, come back, and I'm going to go back and talk to you a little bit more about what the Democrats are doing in this election cycle, how you better be on top of saving America. Come right back. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. 
Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, I just love these two hours every week. But I will tell you, because I always have probably four or five times the number of stories I'd like to talk with you about, then time to talk about them. I started doing a podcast. So during the week, during the, if you're watching on Facebook Live, thank you very much. Um, and even if you're listening in your car or you're listening online, you can go to the podcast. I do once a week at least. I do Wednesday at 3 p.m., Central Time, and you just go to the Facebook page for America Can We Talk, and I do a, I try to catch up in some of the stories. I often I'll do a deep dive on one story. I just want to explore one story and talk more about. But what my reason for doing my radio show, the reason for the podcast, reasons for my public speaking, the reason for everything I do is to try to speak up for the unique, extraordinary, exceptional, important idea that is America. I speak up because I, I, I know, and I think more and more Americans are aware, in light of all the political turmoil in our country, that 
there really is a, a duty, an obligation of every generation of Americans to understand where America's greatness comes from, what it means to say America's great, what it means to say it's exceptional. It's important we understand that and then that we are take our take on the role in our generation of preserving it. And that means preserving all the building blocks of America, preserving freedom of speech, preserving fair and, and uh, fair elections with elections with integrity, preserving America's unique cultural identity with a culture of liberty that is colorblind. It has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. It's all about ideas which include, therefore, preserving our borders, protecting America, having, uh, having citizenship mean something, having limited government. All of these ideas that are bandied about during political season all tie back. They all have their roots in the very founding of America. And it's incumbent. It just is the most important thing politically any of us do, even more important than voting. But voting is important. More important than voting is understanding where America's greatness came from so that we, every day in America, patriots who love liberty, who love this country, recognize the threats to liberty, recognize the attacks on liberty, and are willing to stand up and speak up against them, to stand up and speak up for America. So my show, as long as I'm uh, not yet in my next story, I want to thank the sponsor of our show. My show, America Can We Talk, is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do the show without them, so very grateful. And also... On this reviving the passion of America, in addition to uh, talking about that in the radio show, um, I do, uh, in addition to the podcast during the week, the Wednesday at 3, I do a lot of public speaking. I just spoke at SMU at the Young America's Foundation Group. I spoke at SMU Young Republicans, at many Republican clubs. I speak also to non-political groups. I speak to women's groups and and all sorts of organizations. So um, my email address, my radio-related email address is... America can we talk at gmail.com. I'd love to speak to any group. I just, you know, I, I just speak to preserve America. It's, it's a passion of my heart is to preserve this country and, um, and to feel like I'm doing everything I can think of because I do think the very core of American liberty is at threat in this country. Okay. So one thing also, and follow me on Twitter at Debbie, can we talk? Because that's a great place to have conversations. I would do in the last half an hour, I want to run through a lot of different reasons, a lot of different concerns about the way that the greatness and uniqueness of America is under threat. One is, I mentioned earlier, uh, that the Democrat in Texas, and Texas should be kind of, you know, a little bit more conservative Democrats, a little bit more, you know, patriotic. But even in Texas, the items on the Texas uh, primary ballot, the resolution items, were just I mean, right out of the socialist handbook. That is where today's Democrat Party stands. This is one reason when I, I, I'm talking to you about it, I talk to groups about it. One reason I try to say it's important to to keep track of what the other side is doing and to be able to put ideas into their proper classification. So let me just start with why I say that about the Democrat Party, where they stand today, because what the Democrats in Texas, if there's having putting this in our ballot, our Texas Democrat ballot, which, again, I didn't vote for vote on the Republican side, but then just think how – and we are not in Texas as nearly far left as the Democrat Party is today. 
But essentially, I'm not going to read all of them because they had a lengthy list of resolutions, but they have in there free education for all through college. So now we're going to have, you know, taxpayer funded college education and recognize that when you have the government paying for help for uh, education, they're in charge of education. They set the agenda, and they already are. We have um, tremendous problems, challenges in the public schools because of government control over the curriculum, which has trended in the last 40 years or more in America, more and more left-wing, more and more destroying, eliminating teaching of America's founding ideas, what America's about, what what freedom is, what free markets mean. So free education for everybody, and as as always with left-wing ideas— the promise to uh, Americans of this will be provided by the government, this will be free, the government doesn't have any money. It never has any money. Government has money only and always because it takes it away by force through taxation from working people and from businesses trying to run their business. Now, obviously, we have to have some taxes to pay for the national defense, to pay for the security of our borders, to pay for some things only the federal government has the legal, the the, uh, constitutional obligation to do. But every time a Democrat liberal policy promises something free from the federal government, they are both promising to take money away from your fellow citizens that they work to earn and spend it on on left-wing policies, left-wing promises, because the government has no money, and they're agreeing to expand the federal government even further beyond its constitutionally defined limits. Second on this on the Democrat thing in Texas was the Democrat. Um, they called the Texas Bill of Rights was on the March 2018 Democrat primary ballot. Universal health care, free health care for all. Same thing as free education. Well, free health care means that every single health care system in our country will be controlled by the federal government. It'll be like a Medicare plan and it will be entirely run by the government and and it'll be just as crummy as the healthcare systems are around the world in, in, in other countries where the healthcare system is run by the government. Anybody with any wherewithal, if they have a serious medical problem, jumps on a plane and comes to America because our healthcare system used to be free and used to be the best in the world. So, again, promising universal healthcare, meaning forcing your fellow citizens to pay for your healthcare. You have a right to, this is the Democrat Party, again, Texas Bill of Rights, right to economic security, living wage, a right to paid family leave, a right to paid sick leave. You have, um, you, they have, I, I can't read them all because it'll get, uh, but I mean, every, a, you have a right to affordable, accessible housing, a right. Now, rights people, the idea of a right gets contorted. I want to again take a minute. I've said this in the show before, but it really matters. Rights are things that are do not cost money. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, all the rights in the Constitution. A right, if you say that you have a right to something in America that costs other people money, you're saying you have a right to force your fellow citizens to work hard, earn money, and give it to you to pay you for what you cannot afford. You don't, that's not a right. It's a demand, it's an obligation, it's a policy consideration, it's not a right. But the right to affordable and accessible housing and high-speed internet. They also have, essentially, amnesty. They put fancier words around it, but amnesty for everybody. 
And then they, they hit on the last one, fair taxation, which in Democrats speak simply, they say fair taxation, make the rich pay their fair share. And no matter how often people point out the rich already pretty much pay all the taxes there are, it's something like, you know, the, the top 10% pay almost all the taxes the federal government ever collects. But that's not enough. What they really mean is that they are going to do to try to use the tax system as a massive redistribution of wealth uh, mechanism. And I, I am going over this to make the point that in our country, we knew for decades, all of us knew, everyone knew that socialism was inconsistent with American style liberty. Everybody knew this. It was taught and everyone knew it. Because, but we have in the last 10 years or so, including this last election cycle when Dem, when Bernie Sanders ran openly as a socialist, we have had through the bulldozing of America's culture, the destruction of the teaching of America's history, we've had the normalization, the legitimization of socialism as though it belongs in America. I can't go into the details of it, but I urge you to go to our website, americachemitalk.org, or this Facebook page if you're watching on Facebook. There's a great article out of CNN, uh, talk, uh, an article talking about how USA Today, talking about how CNN talks about socialism as though it's cool. And the person who wrote this USA Today article said, my grandparents from the USSR would disagree. We have lost track of the misery in America that socialism creates. And I want to bring, I want to be sure you understand that people who know what socialism is run from it. We come back from the break. We're going to finally turn back to the Second Amendment, which is a profoundly important topic to understand and with it, and the uh, latest on what's happening out of Florida. Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact... First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back. I can't stand the show's almost over. It's just the fastest two hours of my week every week. I love talking with you on radio. I love talking with you on Facebook Live. I love talking about America and trying to talk about just inspire more, just a a renewed sense of commitment to preserve, to understand America better and to preserve it. Uh, And so uh, I think actually, you know, I mentioned before this last um, break that I wanted to talk about the Second Amendment. I just, you know, there's a lot happening out of the Florida incident and and, um, a lot of discussion about what should happen um, in terms of change in the gun laws. And I'm not going to go into detail on that in this show because I want to spend this last segment talking about uh, the importance of the rights that, that we are guaranteed. And the way they're, when I say they're under threat in America today, I don't mean the abstract in college political dis- uh, science classes and discussion groups. I mean at the core of how we function as a country. I want to start with something about the Second Amendment. You know, America, as we've talked about in the past many times in this show, you know, America has the, an idea in its founding that is that the, what the founders wrote both in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution, was an affirmation of, an explanation, an explication of, an embellishment of the natural rights that man has simply because we are creations of God, simply because we are, that, that man, and this is throughout you know, philosophers, throughout history, 
prior to the founding of our country, had written about this, had explored these ideas, talked about these ideas. And the ideas, in fact, Mark Levin's most recent book, uh, which I can't think of the name of, was a great new book, uh, again, going into discussing what natural rights mean. But this concept of the founders didn't decide, let's give Americans in this new country freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of religion— they saw those as natural rights that every man had all and woman had always had, but this they decided to base a country on it. And so we're going to talk about the First Amendment in a minute, but I want to talk about the Second Amendment and what it means in terms of natural rights. Previous to the founders writing down in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the idea is that we have all these inherent rights, these natural rights. There was a concept within that natural right, rights idea that you have a right to defend yourself against tyranny. You have a right not to live under the tyranny imposed by another man who happened to be the king or a queen. You have the right not to live under tyranny, but to defend yourself from tyranny. And the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, confirmed by the Heller decision in the United States Supreme Court in 2008, I think it was, that that Second Amendment actually means the right of an individual to keep and bear arms in your home. And instead of all of us thinking of that as an NRA-inspired, you know, gun lover, hunter, you know, violent people's kind of Second Amendment, it is as important and fundamental to natural rights as are the rights in the First Amendment to freedom of speech and assembly and religion. The idea of the Second Amendment is giving birth to, giving a, a, a meaning to, a, a way to express the idea that you have the right to defend yourself. The Second Amendment is in the Constitution to preserve the balance of power between the government and the people. That's why it's there. The founders saw the need to be sure because they knew the tendency to tyranny. They'd witnessed throughout world history. They'd studied about world history. They knew this is a way to keep the balance of power between the government and the people. This is why it's so alarming to so many Americans to have left-wingers who already don't believe in economic freedom. They don't believe in free markets. They don't believe they don't believe in free speech. They try to suppress free speech. They try to suppress the rights of their fellow men. This is why so many Americans are really just ardently against and, and ardently standing up for the Second Amendment. They're against limitations on it. And I will say, I don't know what's going to come out of the Florida incident because, you know, this was a, what it appears should come out of it is a renewed commitment by the FBI and local police departments to follow up when you have tips. This young man who committed that horrible act in Florida, I mean, I read it, I think I had it last week on this show. I, forgot, I did a bunch of other radio shows this week. I've lost track of I said it to you all, but the the, the FBI had the transcript of an FBI call, a call to the FBI by a relative, a woman relative of this shooter warning them, saying, you've got to get a hold of this kid. You've got to stop him. He has a lot of guns. I'm afraid he'll shoot up a school. She actually warned the FBI nothing happened. There need to be many changes in our country, hopefully because of this incident, but many of them have to do with 
encourage just dropping the political correctness uh, that that inhibited the police officers, the sheriff's department, and the FBI from moving in on this kid. Um, the, that uh, promise plan put in place by the Obama administration. Um, people who are you know, so focused on not letting a child who committed crime leaving high school with a criminal record that they made it almost impossible to to arrest a student for a crime. And they made it so that the police and the other law enforcement officials were hesitant to speak up. This is what has to change after Florida. We have to get rid of political correctness with respect to people like this. We have to have law enforcement willing to make the charge of a crime. And this kid engaged in enough threats that those are crimes. You can arrest him, get guns away that way. But the the limiting of the Second Amendment is a very, very dangerous step. And I encourage none of you, no matter how upset we are, and we're all upset about it, it's not the answer in America to say, okay, let's just take all his guns away. That, that can't be the answer. Okay, now I want to go back and talk about one other thing uh, or several other things relating to uh, the amendments in our Constitution. Okay, one story out of Harvard. Uh, this is amazing to me. This story out of Harvard. So Harvard has a student group called Harvard College Faith and Action, and they're basically a, just a Christian group on campus. And so they had, so part of their bylaws, of course, you know, they espouse Christian teachings and, and out of the Bible. And so they had a, a student, a Harvard, a female student who was on the board of this group. And she announced to the group that she wanted to start dating another female. And so the Harvard, this Christian group on campus, Harvard College Faith and Action Group, uh, said they had were going to remove her because they follow basic Christian ethical teachings on sexuality in accordance with the 2,000-year-old Christianity's doctrine. So they um, they decided to um, to remove her uh, or want to remove her. Col- Harvard College and Harvard hold this group holds every student to the same standards. It's not unique to this woman, but they anyway. So Harvard um, told them that they could not do that. Harvard said that they were not able to. Uh, this group could not remove this girl from her position in the group just because she wanted to date another woman. What they're saying is, Harvard is saying to the Christian group, you can't really believe the things you believe. You can't, even in a private group, not a private group, but a college group on campus, you can't carry out your faith. People listening, if you, whatever you think about same-sex relationships, whatever you think about Harvard, whatever you think about Christianity, the notion that Harvard thought they could tell this group that you can't let this girl, you can't kick her out just because she is violating one of your core tenets is absurd. It is the level of disrespect and disdain show for Christianity. And, and Harvard obviously felt fine about it. I mean, that's, now I just want to ask you to, to, you know, make a different analogy and see what you think Harvard would have done. Suppose they had the Harvard Muslim Student Union Group and one of the people on the board of the Muslim Student Union Group said that he or she had accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And then the Muslim group wanted to kick that kid out and say, you know, you can't do that. Do you, do you think that, I mean, I just have a feeling that Harvard is, would, would just back that Muslim group instantly and say, well, sure, if she can't comply with Islam, if she's not Muslim, then she's not part of your group, then that's okay, kick her out. I, now that is, I don't know that. I'm just making an analogy, but I think that is probably the case. And I, I think it's actually really egregious. Okay, other First Amendment things before the Supreme Court. 
tremendous cases for the Supreme Court to be considering um, this election cycle uh, as we watch uh, the effort of the American left to um, eviscerate the First Amendment in all sorts of contexts in America. Uh, There's a case um, before the Supreme Court uh, that relates to, uh, it's called Janice, but it relates to agency fees. And the quick short story is, if you join a union, you're a public school teacher, you have to pay agency fees like, like dues. And so the union will go out and negotiate on your behalf even though they're negotiating against your interests, you don't agree with them. You don't want to have to pay them to um, represent you uh, to speak on your behalf. So you're forced to pay dues, and they speak on things you don't like. And that's before the Supreme Court. That's a Janus case. Very interesting because it's you know if it's free speech includes the right to not speak or to be told to have the right to say I don't want you speaking on my my behalf and saying that because I think that's wrong. So. That case is before the Supreme Court, um, and I I think that will be – I think it's going to come out the right way. Um, There's also – in fact, there was an exchange between Justice Kennedy, no, you know, hero of conservatism. Essentially, he's questioning the lawyer for the the union, and he says – I'm asking you whether or not, in your view, if you don't prevail in this case, the unions will have less political influence, yes or no. And the union guy says, yes, they'll have less political influence, to which Justice Kennedy said, well, isn't that the end of the case? So these are really important cases the Supreme Court's considering because it's kind of the question, do we still hold on to the purity of the rule of law in America and the real core freedom of speech that we exist in the First Amendment? Or do we say, well, times have changed, you know, you can't do that. Two other cases, and we're about out of time here, but one we mentioned before, the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. Can a a Christian uh, bakery owner be forced to bake a cake and decorate it as a a means of his expressing expressing himself? Um, Can he decline to do that for a same-sex wedding? Um, And then there's also a case about – it's a First Amendment case called National Institute of Family and Life Advocates – where they're challenging, this is a, a pregnancy resource center that was told they have to post a sign. This is a you know pro-life group, a pregnancy resource center must force a sign, post a sign inside, directing their custom, their clients or, or customers, um, patients, uh, where to go to get an abortion which is not their purpose. These are interesting cases. You know, I mean, I don't know how the Supreme Court will come out, but I do know that it's just incumbent on every generation of Americans, incumbent on us to insist that America is unique, extraordinary, great, and exceptional in great part because of the founding ideas of our country, the absolute dedication to freedom of speech and all the other freedoms that the uh, Bill of Rights provides for us. So, Got to sign off for this week. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. America Can We Talk? Come back next week. Love, love talking to you. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America Can We Talk? Truth About America. America.